calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hi, everyone. How are we doing this week? I am going to start out this episode with a little rundown of my day yesterday because I had one of the most bizarre days. I am so excited that yesterday morning, People Magazine released the first part of India's interview where she's discussing the podcast and, you know, what she's been doing with her life for the last few years since the world has seen her last and things like that. I'm so proud of her for putting herself back out there and doing this interview. The photos are gorgeous. I love the ones of her and her husband, Patrick. He is just an absolute doll. And I was so pleasantly surprised that they mentioned me by name in the article. I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought if anything, maybe India would mention her co-producer or something like that. But I was not expecting that at all. And that was kind of a cool moment for me. So I was running on a bit of a high yesterday. I was watching those numbers just soar with the downloads. I was so excited. And about a week ago, I went to go pick up a pizza at my favorite pizza place right down the block from where I live. And I've gotten to know the guys that work there pretty well because I'll kind of like hang out and chat while I'm waiting for my pizza. I come in at least once a week. They know my name. I know theirs. And I asked if they were still needing help with the front of house stuff, someone to answer the phones and things like that. And they kind of like lit their eyes up and they were like, yeah, why? And I was like, I don't know, like maybe I could help. And yesterday morning, I finally messaged him and was like, hey, I can do, you know, Saturdays and Sundays and I can help out on some Wednesdays too. And he was like, great. Are you free this afternoon? And I was like, yeah, figuring I would just probably go down, fill out some paperwork, maybe talk to chef a little bit more, see if I would be a good fit. I don't know. So I walked down there. I'm expecting to be there maybe for a couple of hours. And the first thing they do is hand me an apron. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is just protocol. And to go through the kitchen, I got to have my apron on. I'm walking around and nope, one of the guys I've been talking to pulled out his paperwork and he started training me right then and there. And I was like, oh shit, I have a job. And I ended up working from like 4.30 to 10 p.m. last night at this pizza place. 
It's so crazy. I've literally never worked in restaurants before in my life. I've worked at Starbucks really briefly. I did like a two-week stint at Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar at the Minnesota State Fair when I was 17 or 18. But I I really just don't have much experience. I am just a very gung-ho type person, as I'm sure you all are well aware. So yeah, it was a very bizarre day to go from like feeling like a famous person in People Magazine to closing down a pizza shop <laughs> and coming home with a big amount of meatballs and pizzas and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a really interesting experience. I'm actually pretty excited about it. It's going to be me and a bunch of dudes. So it's going to be a very different environment from my last job where it was all women and gay men. <laughs> so definitely a very different vibe. But I really like all of them. I think it's going to be a good fit. We have a lot in common. The food is, oh, it is to die for. The chef used to work at Nobu, which is like a fine dining restaurant. It's got Michelin stars. It's the real deal. So this pizza is so dope. It's so good. But all of that is to say that life is just nuts. You never know what's going to throw at you when you meet new people and make new friends. And that was kind of the best way I could describe my day yesterday. You know, I made friends with India and now I have another successful podcast that I'm working on. And I made friends with the pizza guys down the street. And now I have a new weekend job. Life is strange. I hope that there are many listeners of mine out there who are just as excited as I am about still learning the new podcast that is out in the world. I'm so psyched that we finally get to release all of the rest of the episodes. This episode that was released yesterday, you do hear a little bit more from me. You're going to love the person we interview, Sochal. She is just so inspiring and funny and sweet. And if you haven't listened to the show yet, you can find Still Learning anywhere that you get your podcasts. Definitely give it a listen, recommend it to your friends, all of that good stuff. And you can pick up your own copy of the People Magazine article, which will be out on newsstands this Friday, which will be the full article. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm going to like go to the grocery store and like grab my People Magazine and it's going to have my friend on the cover and my name is in it. And I'm like, mm -hmm, I'm so cool. <laughs> my 15 minutes of fame starts now. All right. Other than that, just another reminder for all of you that there's another Angry Feminist Book Club episode coming your way this week. It'll be up on Wednesday. I've got to say the second half of the book is much harder for me to get through than the first half because I feel like Betty's just repeating herself a lot and reinforcing a lot of the ideas that she was bringing up in the first half of the book. So I'm interested to see how that episode is going to go, you know, what all of my thoughts and feelings are going to be once I've completed the book. But I definitely enjoyed the first half a lot more than the second half. I'm finding myself getting a bit bored with how redundant it is. But if you want to become a member of the Angry Feminist Book Club, you can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist and join the book club for $5 a month, or you can become a feminist fave for $8 a month where you receive all of the book club content. You get these episodes ad-free, you get them up a little bit early, and last but not least, I am going to be starting an advice column very, very shortly where I will read different, you know, emails, letters, whatever that you all are going to send me that you want advice on. And then I'm going to do my very best to give you some Madigan advice in response. I feel like I get asked for advice quite often on Instagram privately. So I feel like it would be 
really beneficial maybe for me to answer these questions for a lot of people. You never know how maybe it can be beneficial to others. I'm not qualified to give life advice, but you know, I like to do it anyways. And you ask me for advice. So what am I going to do? But I am having a hard time thinking of what I want to name it. I don't want to do Dear Madigan because my friend Daisy Egan does a Dear Daisy on her Patreon. I don't want to copy her. And yeah, so let me know if you have any fun names for that. I do have something that I want to talk about that I've been kind of going through lately that I'm going to put up on Patreon soon just to kind of start that advice column going. But in the meantime, if there's anything that you want to send in for me to discuss on that segment, you can email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Okay, I'm done yammering on. I do have three topics today. It's been a while since I've had that many things to discuss in one mini episode instead of just going really deep into one topic. But there were a lot of things that I thought were really important to discuss today. And as always, I'm going to start with the toughest topic of the week. Back in January, a 23-year-old woman living in Seattle named Janavi Kandula was fatally hit by a police car while crossing the street while the officer was responding to an emergency. Janavi was a grad student from India and is described as an effervescent young woman with a bubbly personality. She was on the cusp of earning her master's degree. A statement from her family said in part, She was the daughter to a single mother who teaches elementary school in India, and in spite of earning less than $200 per month, her mother educated Janavi and encouraged her to pursue higher education in the United States in hopes that she would have a better future and better life abroad. It's always so devastating to me. I feel like I've heard so many stories where there are parents or loved ones who are relinquishing their children to come to the United States to hopefully create better lives for themselves and for their families, and then tragedy strikes. I just, I can think of, and that must just be so devastating. And I think that all parents, not speaking from experience, but probably go through a similar fear no matter who you are, whenever you're letting your child leave your home and go out into the world and start to create their own lives, I'm sure there's a lot of fear in that because you're not there to protect them as easily. I know my mom was very worried about me living across the country in Los Angeles where, I mean, when I first moved here, I didn't have a car. I didn't have any friends. I lived in an apartment. I wasn't in a dorm or anything like that. I did have a couple cousins that lived in Santa Monica, but they're much older than me. They're not going to like hang out with me, but they would be there to like take care of me if I needed it or anything like that and get me groceries if I really needed it or whatever. But I really was just kind of like thrown into adult world without much supervision. And I know my mom was terrified and for good reason, because I did not handle my early adult life very well. But I know that it's scary to finally let your young leave the nest in a way. And I can assume that especially living across the world from one another would already be So anxiety provoking for this mother, especially being a single mom. It just sounds like they're so close and to have something so devastating happen to your daughter, especially when you're that far away. 
my heart just breaks for this mother. I, she's the person that I was just thinking about the whole time that I was researching this topic because that is where I have empathy for this situation is that mother-daughter bond, that distance that you feel from one another when you're finally you know, becoming an adult and wanting to start living your own life and to have her very promising, beautiful young life be taken away so quickly in such tragic circumstances is really, really devastating. Last week, one Seattle police officer was put under investigation after his body cam footage captured a phone conversation following Janavi's death in which he was laughing and said the victim had, quote, limited value. The officer, Daniel Otterer, was dispatched to the scene after the other officer had hit Janavi with their car. So this is not the same officer who fatally hit Janavi. But Otterer is a trained drug recognition expert, and he was sent to see if the officer who did strike Janavi was impaired at the time. Otterer is also the vice president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. Wonderful and was allegedly speaking with Union President Mike Sloan on the phone during that conversation. Otterer has tried to defend himself by saying that he meant the comment to be a mockery of city lawyers. He says, I was imitating what a lawyer tasked with negotiating the case would be saying and being sarcastic to express that they shouldn't be coming up with crazy arguments to minimize the payment. I don't see how that makes any sense. On Wednesday, it was recommended for Otterer to be put on unpaid leave as his comments are being investigated. The Community Police Commission co-chairs said that his explanation, quote, does not make this unprofessional and inhumane conduct any better because it shows a callous dismissiveness toward police accountability systems. The city's police chief said, there is simply no context that could possibly make these comments acceptable. It's not clear whether the officer whose vehicle hit Janavi is being criminally charged. In the driver's case, the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office is, quote, independently reviewing those case materials now for a charging decision, adding that the Office of Police Accountability is responsible for investigating Otterer's body camera footage as well. So obviously an incredibly devastating situation with this young girl's death, an absolutely disgusting display by the police, which is not surprising. And you can't help but look at that and see a lot of the racism involved when you're speaking of the value of someone's life. I highly doubt that if a young white person were hit by a police car that they would receive the same kind of treatment. In fact, I think this probably would have been even bigger news. I think this would have been been discussed a lot more. I think we would be hearing from more officers. But I think because this is a a brown woman who is a foreigner from another country, these officers just don't care. And that's something that has really been on the minds of people who have been very upset and angry by the death of Janavi and the way that she has been treated by the authorities. The video's release of the body cam footage sparked outrage across the nation, especially within the South Asian diaspora. Rallies, meetings with elected officials, and online petitions began popping up, demanding justice for Janavi. On Saturday, there was a large crowd marching in the Seattle intersection where Janavi was killed, carrying signs, begging for justice, and making demands for police to take action against its officers. 
You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to the next. In a series of posts to social media this week, actor and activist Angelica Ross called out her American Horror Story 1984 co-star, who she referred to as Miss E.R., Emma Roberts, everyone knows, for what Angelica described as being a string of mind games and outright bigotry on set. I just want to say, before I get into what Emma did this time, I don't think I've said this on the podcast in a while, but Keegan and I used to bring this up a lot. I don't like Emma Roberts at all. I think it was probably close to 10 years ago now. I can't remember when it was exactly, but when she was dating... Evan Peters, like when American Horror Story first started, she was arrested for domestic violence. They had gotten in a really bad argument and like she drew blood on him and bit him and it was crazy. And there was this paparazzi photo that went around everywhere of Evan like picking her up at like, I don't know if it was a doctor's or a police station, but he was like picking her up somewhere and the paparazzi caught their reunion And it's just the photo obsessed me so much because he's consoling her. He's like holding her and she's just like huddled into him sobbing. And it just makes me so upset that, you know, not that people really care all that much when men hit women. I mean, look at Chris Brown. He is still very, very successful. But I do think that in general, society looks at you know men hitting women differently than women hitting men and they don't see that as being abuse and it is so I've never been a big fan I think that she has a lot of issues I don't love the fact that she's like friends with Leah Michelle and things like that I don't know I just get little vibes from certain celebrities and ever since that one incident happened I was like nope don't like you I am not here for it 
So really, none of this surprises me at all. Angelica described one heated conversation on a live stream about one time when their co-star John Carroll Lynch called the two actresses ladies, and Emma Roberts looked at Angelica and said, don't you mean lady? (gasps) Angelica said, I'm looking her dead ass in the camera like, what the fuck did you just say? She said Emma then covered her mouth and turned away from her afterward. Angelica said, my blood is boiling. If I say something, it's going to be me. And I know this because there was someone who spoke up about what she was doing and they got repercussions from it. I didn't speak to that bitch the entire time after that. Good for you, Angelica. You do not need to make nice with that bitch. She also noted another incident where Emma allegedly imitated Angelica's voice, mockingly pitching it down several octaves. What is wrong with you? Like, are you not a human being in society? Do you not understand how fucked up and wrong that is? Like, this is the worst kind of fucking bigoted bullying behavior. And the fact that these are full grown adults who are very successful, both of them in the film industry. And Emma has been around forever. Her aunt is freaking Julia Roberts, for Christ's sake. Like, you should fucking know better. Set an example. This is so disgusting. On Wednesday, reports stated that Emma had called Angelica privately to apologize. And after that, Angelica posted to Instagram saying, Thank you at Emma Roberts for calling me and apologizing. I will leave the line open to follow up on your desire to do better and support social justice causes with your platform. During Angelica's live stream, she also spoke about the racism she experienced on the American Horror Story set, including the fact that a crew member would routinely wear racist t-shirts, some bearing Trump slogans. When she brought this up, they said it was a free speech thing and he was allowed to wear whatever he wanted to wear. The most recent season of American Horror Story, which hasn't even come out yet, has already been brought up negatively in the press lately as they continued their filming after the writer's strike began and did not refrain from filming until the Screen Actors Guild joined the strike. And allegedly, Ryan Murphy had threatened the writers on his show, saying that if they left, they would be blackballed in Murphyland. I would love to be blackballed from Murphyland. I want no part of Murphyland. I don't like most of his stuff, to be honest. I loved Pose. Pose was like The one show that he did where I saw it all the way through, I thought it was really great. Some episodes are better than others. Some things I thought were kind of weird. But overall, fantastic show. I've seen one season of American Horror Story, and that was the Asylum one with Sarah Paulson. And it was so good. I started watching the other seasons, and I didn't enjoy it as much. So I got rid of that. And then, of course, Glee was a huge deal to me for probably the first three seasons, And then once they were like only doing the most popular songs of the day, I was like, well, I'm not interested anymore. I think Ryan Murphy is problematic as a whole. He's been in and out of the news for so many things for years and years and years. It's very well known that he is not an easy person to work with. And he's not a very nice person either. So none of this is surprising to me. It also doesn't surprise me that he has a circle of actors around him who I think are probably similar to him in a lot of ways. I mentioned Emma Roberts and Leah Michelle earlier, but I think that, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's the most supportive, loving, fun, 
environment working on that set. So I'm really glad that Angelica came forward and expressed what her experience was and how she's feeling about all of that. And I'm glad that Emma Roberts was forced to apologize, even if it isn't something that she truly understands or feels sorry for. I'm not sure. But there needs to be more accountability taken when transphobia is being called out. That's all I can truly ask for. All right, Jess, I'm finally going to talk about Ohio and the abortion laws. I'm so glad I'm finally getting to it. I actually think it was a good idea that I waited because there were some updates this week since you sent me those articles a few weeks ago, my dear. So let's get into it. In six weeks, Ohioans will vote on a citizen-initiated amendment on whether or not to protect abortion access up until fetal viability. Ohio does have a heartbeat law, which is a ban on abortion after six weeks of gestation, but it has been blocked by the court pending litigation. And I know someone in my life who's pregnant right now, but it isn't announced to the world because she isn't that far along yet. But she told me when she was six weeks pregnant, and I was kind of like, that's really soon to be telling people, you know, especially for your first pregnancy, things can go wrong and... I've had friends who have had miscarriages. It can be very precarious. And thinking about the fact that you would only have six weeks to get your abortion. I mean, she just found out at six weeks that she was even pregnant. And I know I've stated this over and over and over again on the podcast, but this is like a real life situation that I'm in right now where I'm like, holy shit, she would have been too late. She would have been fucked. But she's keeping the baby. In order to get their amendment up for a vote, the petitioners in Ohio had to gather 413,487 voter signatures from half or more of all of the 88 counties in Ohio by July 5th. They thankfully had plenty of signatures and support. The Ohio Supreme Court handed a partial victory to the state's GOP-controlled ballot board on Tuesday, September 19th, ruling that the term unborn child can remain in the ballot language for the November 7th vote, where Ohioans will decide whether to add abortion protections in the state's constitution. This ruling comes after Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights and five other petitioners sued the board over ballot wording that omitted the word fetus. The state Supreme Court rejected the petitioner's argument that the language currently used on the ballot introduced an ethical judgment, saying that it does not establish that the ballot's board's language constitutes improper persuasion. A spokesperson for the secretary of the state's office, Mary Cianciolo, and I only know how to pronounce that last name because I went to school with a Cianciulli, who is the descendant of Leonardo Cianciulli, who was the first female serial killer, fun fact. So I do know a little bit about my Cianciulo Italian last names. (laughs) But she said, By rejecting special interest attempts to substitute their own carefully crafted poll-tested language for that of the ballot board, they have ensured Ohio voters will have a full and accurate understanding of the proposed measure when they go to cast their ballots. The court ordered the ballot board to adopt ballot language that accurately describes that the proposed amendment regulated actions of the state. A spokesperson for Ohio United for Reproductive Rights, Lauren Blovelt, said that this was another attempt by the ballot board to mislead voters. 
She said, Issue one is clearly and concisely written to protect Ohioans' right to make our own personal health care decisions about contraception, pregnancy, and abortion, free from government interference. The actual amendment language communicates that right clearly without distortion. Across the country, Republican officials and activists who oppose abortion access have worked to make it harder to pass citizen-led ballot measures and have added roadblocks to the process of getting abortion directly on the ballot. This is an attempt to stop voters from weighing in directly on the subject. Last month, Ohio voted on Issue 1, a referendum on the minimum threshold to pass constitutional amendments and whether the threshold should remain at 50% plus 1 or be raised to 60%. So instead of needing 50% plus one more person to determine a winning vote, it would then go up to 60%. The proponents for Issue 1 claim that this vote was there to protect the state's constitution from outside influence. Okay, Jan. Those against it say Issue 1 is a backhanded attempt to change the rules mid-game, raising the voter threshold just in time to thwart the abortion vote. Thankfully, this did not pass. But it is a clear indicator of our government trying to go against what its citizens want. And we know this because according to recent surveys, if all Ohioans were to show up for the vote, abortion would win. But if Issue 1 had passed, the abortion rights amendment may have been finished. It has been, what, like a year and three or four months now since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And it is still so upsetting to me to see how often there are people in the GOP who are doing their best to bring this down. All I can see with all of this abortion stuff, all of the stuff against drag queens and trans people and the LGBTQ community as a whole, I just see it as being such a giant distraction from everything else that is wrong in these cities and states and in this country. Instead of trying to get us better health care and more jobs and support and resources, the GOP is fear-mongering to make everyone focus on other things so that the world can't see how shitty of a job they're actually doing. And especially leading up to the presidential election, it's just, this is so disheartening to me. I I can't believe that in less than two months, we're voting for the president again. I can't, I can't believe it. And the fact that we only have three Democratic candidates, and I dislike all of them for the most part. (sighs) It's just not sitting well with me. I just feel like there's so much more going on on the Republican side of things, and the Democrats are just like, ugh, lackluster and not great. I was really hoping that Gavin Newsom would throw himself into the race, but he has decided not to do so. I don't know. We'll see. But I was starting to do a little bit of research on that because I want to make sure that I'm keeping all of you up to date with all of that as well. I know that abortion is probably going to be a big thing that is discussed on both sides of the aisle in this upcoming election, as will a lot of these other more distracting measures be brought up again as well. So Jess, thank you so much for reaching out. I hope I did this justice. (laughs) I'm sure with all of your work and expertise that you do in Ohio for abortion access, you would have a lot more to say about this than I would and are just so involved and dedicated. And I am so inspired by you. Love you very much. You are just so fucking awesome. And that's everything that I have for you today. 
If you want to get a little bit of extra Madigan in your life, a little more angry feminism in your life, go over to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist. You can join the book club for $5 or become a feminist fave for $8 a month for all sorts of goodies and bonuses and good times. Be sure to check out my new show, Still Learning, anywhere you listen to podcasts and give the show some love. Be sure to follow me on Instagram if you don't already. It's at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feel free to reach out to me there with any topic suggestions or anything for episodes. You can also email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show and you haven't yet left a review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. You can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. And if you listen on Spotify, you can also rate the show over there. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.